Welcome back to Building Back Better with the American Rescue Plan, brought to you by ServiceNow. Managing legacy systems can be a complex and costly process. For years, federal agencies requested more money to support their modernization efforts. The ARP offers some of that relief, but successful implementation will require successful modernization strategies. Let's dig in with Vid Desai, Acting Chief Information Officer and Chief Technology Officer at the FDA. And here again, Jonathan Album, Federal Chief Technology Officer at ServiceNow. Vid, let's start with you. I know that it's a lot, but what is the FDA doing right now relative to the American Rescue Plan, the ARP? Thank you, George. Um, so uh, relative to the ARP, um, we've received funding uh, for primarily three areas. Uh, so during the pandemic, we had a, uh, we had to pause our inspections uh, of oversight facilities, uh, especially the, the international ones. So uh, the funding encourages us to resume and catch up on the backlog of inspections. Uh, the other area, obviously, during the pandemic, uh, many of us, and, and, and you've probably seen this on the news and heard of this uh, uh, ad nauseum, about the, uh, the supply chain issues that, that many critical healthcare products ran into. And so the FDA is charged with uh, putting in some better processes and better ways of managing the overall healthcare supply chain. And then the third area that, that, that we got some funding for uh, is on the cybersecurity side. And obviously, the threat landscape there has changed uh, uh, very, very significantly. And so uh, even prior to the pandemic, the FDA was uh, in, 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 uh, under a, a pretty uh, uh, fast-paced modernization activity. Uh, and so what the ARP has done is essentially prioritize um, uh, the supply chain, the inspection, which are very broad areas uh, for us to, to, to kind of prioritize in our, our modernization. So it accelerated our modernization. We're using those two areas to basically uh, uh, focus in on uh, 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 our modernization efforts. And, you know, stand up long lasting impact too, I think is something that came out of our last conversation, Jonathan, with Sanjay and Gundeep. Let's talk a little bit about that supply chain issue that, you know, Vid is talking about here. It didn't come up in the last portion of our conversation. I can certainly see why it comes up with the FDA, a huge focus right now with vaccine management. You know, how do the technologically organizations do a better job of integrating all of those disparate parts uh, of what they do on a daily basis to better manage supply chain. Yeah, George, that's a that's a really great question. Um, again, and I think part of the uh, challenge of um, su supply chains, what you just said, uh, the the data is in a lot of systems spread out across a number of different entities. Um, different government organizations, private sector organizations, and the ability to bring that data together um, on a single platform and then execute workflows uh, leveraging that data is, is one of the ways organizations can overcome some of these supply chain challenges. When you And when you think about vaccine management, you remember how complicated uh, it was in the early days of, um, of vaccine distribution. You know, we really recognize vaccine administration management as the workflow challenge of, of our time. And uh, we've come such a long way since, um, you know, since that uh, moment back in, um, 
back last winter. We, we have um, now we need to be thinking about how we get people back into offices, how we get people back into schools and continuing to um, vaccinate uh, citizens and then you know be focused on getting people booster shots is really key to that and returning to some kind of kind of normalcy. And you know the American Rescue Plan has a lot of funding for for vaccine administration and management. Um, the CDC has already awarded billions of dollars. I know we're talking a bit from the FDA, but when you think about that HHS mission space, there's so much in a relationship between um, you know aspects of, of of the mission. And you know when we think about how people get a vaccine and how um, you know people interact with the organizations, the different government organizations that uh, might be managing that process, we we want to make it simple for them to engage. Something we talked. About uh, in our in our prior section, and um, we we need to be thinking about how they can easily and simply get what they need, whether it's a vaccine in this case, or or loans or grants in in the, in the prior um, segment. And you know, uh, many organizations have used ServiceNow as part of this vaccine process. Uh, ServiceNow supported the uh, the distribution of more than twenty million shots. So we've we've been a real player in this and we're going to continue to be. And it's it's something that everyone in the company takes great pride in. You know, Vid, prior to us going on the air here, I did a little reading about some of the work that you've been doing at FDA and it seems like data support needed during the pandemic was a big part of it. What did you learn there and how are you using that data to address the sort of next set of challenges for the agency? So one of the issues we have, um, not just across the FDA, but but I think this is true of across the federal uh, uh, landscape, is we tend to work in very siloed manners. So so even within the FDA, uh, you know, we we've got a, a number of centers. Uh, centers uh, uh, have many divisions and offices and stuff like that. And the way things normally work is, you know, funding kind of flows into um, these very siloed areas. And so when we look at our, our systems landscape uh, and our data landscape, it is very siloed and very fragmented. And many of these data sets and systems weren't designed to talk to each other. And so one of the things, uh, one of the challenges we ran into is as we tried to put the systems and the data together to, 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 to kind of leverage across the, you know, how we manage the pandemic, it was very, very difficult because these systems were just not designed to talk to each other. And this is also true of uh, external data sets. Um, and I think one of the things that we, we've uh, come to, to, to understand is in the future, we're going to need to, to design these systems and data sets to interoperate a lot better than, than they do today. Um, and so that's an area of focus for us right now, and that's a big part of our modernization. We've recently, in March of 2021, published uh, our data modernization action plan, which is specifically focused at addressing this data issue. Data is, a, is, is everything in our space. You know, we're a science and data organization. Um, and uh, the more we make it efficient to use data uh, to solve uh, uh, today's problems, the better off we are as an, as an agency. So that's where uh, our focus is right now. Is that challenge, Jonathan, common as you look across this public sector ecosystem, this challenge of siloed data, getting it all to sort of speak together and sort of fuel these larger IT modernization efforts? Yeah, absolutely it is. It's a common theme um, across all levels of government, all organizations. 
private and public sector, I think, because of, you know, something uh, Vid noted, he's now thinking about designing systems so the data can interact and the systems can communicate. Um, that's not where we started uh, over time and the systems that we uh, generally use to support our, our businesses and our government programs, they weren't designed that way to his point. So you have these silos and now you need to work backwards. And part of that working backwards can be uh, modernizing and rebuilding um, a system uh, from scratch and replacing it uh, or building the new things in a certain way, like this describing. Uh, one of the things that uh, a different, uh, another approach, um, one that I think a lot of organizations are having a lot of, uh, are having success with is uh, overlaying a platform platform um, across those systems and being able to leverage the data from those legacy systems, those, those systems of record, and then being able to use that data um, to do different activities. You can leverage that data via workflow to drive to an outcome uh, without having to replace that underlying system. But you have to do the work to uh, deploy a platform and then integrate uh, the data sets with that platform and then understand how those different data sets relate to one another. And, you know, it, it certainly sounds like those are the kinds of things that Vid, just, Vid is describing that he's he's doing, they put in their plan. Um, there's just a lot of ways to get there. And I, 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 I think that the, um, you know, there's never one single answer, but the, the approach that uh, we, I see in the market and I see different agencies taking is this overlaying a platform to speed that uh, digital transformation. So, Vid, Jonathan just used the word speed. Earlier you said fast-paced. Uh, I think that's pretty common across the landscape as well right now. And I'm wondering if FDA is or plans to begin leveraging emerging technologies uh, to really build on this modernization effort that you've outlined here. And I'm thinking machine learning, artificial intelligence, could be 5G, Internet of Things, et cetera. Uh, take it any way you want to run with it, Absolutely. sir. Absolutely. Um, no, the, the, the um, you know, we're thinking about modernization of not just the technology, but also uh, the culture as well as the processes. So on the technology front, um, obviously one big shift uh, that the, you know, when you look at security um, and the way people collaborate and work right now, uh, there's a lot more external collaboration and work. So uh, we're all moving to the cloud. So the traditional method of securing networks uh, was very perimeter-based and people are shifting from that perimeter-based to a zero trust environment. Um, we're looking at our network. Um, and as you know, as we start embracing the cloud, um, the, 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 you know, the, the, the whole idea of a perimeter is, is, is disappearing and that requires to rethink our, our network. So we're shifting from a traditional network to a software-defined network where it's a lot more agile. Instead of having to move hardware and, and, and reconfigure hardware, you're basically shifting to a policy-managed way of managing your network. Um, I talked a little bit about the, the, the cloud adoption. It's a big part of our priority uh, to shift from our on-prem environment to the cloud. Uh, you know, you look at uh, on the process side, we are very, very focused at uh, leveraging the, the, the ITIL, ITSM and DevSecOps processes. ServiceNow obviously plays a, bi a big role in, in, in many of these areas. Um, but, but if you want to be agile, you're going to need to make your processes very, very efficient. And internal IT processes like DevSecOps, like uh, ITIL, play a very big part in our, how we improve our internal agility. 
we're shifting from an environment very where historically we we did a lot of custom development. Um, and now we're moving more to, to leveraging out-of-the-box capabilities. Not only is this efficient, uh, and not only does it allow us to, 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 to put things out faster, um, but it also forces us to adopt best practices that are built into these processes, because frankly, um, uh, those are more efficient than many of the legacy ways that we've been doing things internally. So, so these are some of the, the, the areas that, that, that we're leveraging, not just from a technology perspective, like I said, uh, but 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 also from a process uh, uh, perspective, and uh, you know things like 5G and and and, and technologies like that are, are going to be a, 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 a huge player. On the topic of AI, this is a huge opportunity of us for us. So so if you think about the FDA and what we do on a daily basis, every day there are literally tens of thousands of shipping containers coming into the country. Uh, if you think about our, our mail facilities, literally there are millions of packages coming in. And it's the FDA's job to figure out which ones of those thousands of containers coming in or millions of mail packages coming in on a daily basis contain bad stuff, counterfeit drugs or, or, or bad food produce. There's no way we can inspect each one. And we are leveraging the use of AI to selectively target which ones of those are, are more likely to contain the bad stuff um, uh, and, 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 and let the good ones go through. Um, and so machine learning, AI technologies are playing a big role. And it goes back to my point about data. We need to get data from the, C the, the Custom and Border Patrol uh, areas. And we're working with, in partnership with them and, and, and other agencies to, to obtain information and data like that, that we can put to use to select and target um, where potentially bad stuff may be. Jonathan, this future that VID outlines raises, I think, an interesting question around workforce. Does the mm -hmm. federal government need a different type of sort of workforce-based investment right now? And what I mean is, you know, if automation is being employed across the public sector, you know, if the network is in a space at the sort of next level of this IT modernization initiative that it's simply software updates, but you do still need people, as Vid mentioned, in areas like DevSecOps, to me, it seems like you need a workforce that's higher level than it was before. Am I reading that right? Well, I think that the, the way I think about it, George, is that... Um, if we can um, focus on opportunities for automation uh, using AI and machine learning, using um, robotic process automation to make it simpler to get data into a system, to automate workflows and uh, aspects of people's jobs, um, the people who've done that work can then be focused on the more complicated, higher level uh, tasks that you know, humans are, are very good at. Um, Sanjay in our prior segment talked about um, people, uh, you know, using AI technology, just like just like they described, but there's a human element behind that to, um, to make sure the AI was working properly and that the decision was a good one. So I think it's about shifting people's focus from the mundane task to the higher value work. And we've been talking about those kinds of uh, actions over the the, the past four years, and we continue to talk about that. So once we free people up, because we focused on this idea of, uh, of automation, you can almost think of it as hyper-automation, where you're, you're focused from the uh, intake of data using RPA through the 
uh, to the workflow and the AI and the machine learning to get an outcome where you don't have to touch that process very much at all. You can have somebody oversee it or periodically, um, you know, take a look at a random sample to make sure it's, it's operating effectively. And then focus people on the more complicated tasks. So maybe it's not a different workforce, different different people, different individuals, but it's probably some uh, enhanced training. It's um, uh, building the data skills that uh, Vid's describing are necessary. And I think those data skills exist in lots of places in, 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 in an agency today. It's not just in the IT organization. There's lots of people who are very good with data who work in uh, program and policy jobs who've been dealing with data for a long time. But you know, we don't necessarily think about them as uh, IT employees or as uh, you know data analysts or say we think about them as you know policy analysts. But they have the right kind of skill set that can be uh, very that can make an agency very successful in the future. So, Vid, as we come to the sort of closing part of this conversation, let's stay on that topic. What are some of your greatest workforce needs at FDA? So I think Jonathan sort of set this, this question up quite nicely. I think, you know, the day-to-day work, um, the, the, the people doing the day-to-day work, it's our job to make their, their, their jobs as easy uh, as possible. And I think uh, the automation and uh, uh, the RPA uh, activity does that. But you need some, you know, a lot of people to, to, to kind of build those automations, uh, do the robotic uh, process uh, automations and, and activities like that. But I think the, the area where I feel the most passion for in terms of the types of skills we need in IT are in the planning, the thinking, and the decision-making. Um, that's that's the area where, where, you know, that's the one area that you cannot outsource. And the planners, the thinkers, and the decision-makers have to be internal. They have to understand the business. They have to understand the technology. And they have to understand the processes. Um, and so so that building and retaining that uh, uh, skill set, I think, is the most important. Um, and, and in my experience, probably the hardest to not only hire, um, but also to retain um, uh, on an ongoing basis. A lot of people, uh, you know, after a few years, want to move and 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 uh, go to a different organization, and with that, you lose a lot of that that uh, uh, knowledge. Uh, so, how do we preserve that? So, I think that's that's a little bit of, of my thinking in terms of, of of some of the key skill sets: the planners, the thinkers, and the decision makers. Those are the ones that we absolutely need to find and retain and preserve. Well, some wonderful decision makers, some strategists as part of these conversations today. Vid, Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Thank you, the audience, for tuning in. I hope you learned a few strategies that will help you plan for the future, redesign your organization, and be more competitive in this digital age. For GovExec TV, I'm George Jackson.